but this this is for the house today. Everybody's like, oh gosh, no, I don't want them messages. We're gonna over the next, uh, I think, three or four, depending on what the Lord wants to do, is we're gonna find the greatness within us, but we're also gonna find how to unlock that greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on now. I'm, I'm just going to sit right over here and preach to them. They're, they're clapping now, but wait till the end of the message. Oh, me. Hopefully they'll still be clapping after the end of the message. But anyway, we, we got to find out what it takes to unlock that greatness. Not only greatness for you, but if you unlock the greatness for you, it'll also mean greatness for the kingdom. Greatness for your family, greatness for this church, greatness for the business that you own. Amen? And I think also when we unlock the greatness in our lives, we're unlocking truly the presence of God in our lives. So go with me to Genesis chapter 29. For all those that are visiting, we sure do appreciate you coming. We are just family folks here. A pastor that's just open, honest, real, and raw. Got a little bit of old-fashioned in him, too. Yeah. Amen. Raised in an old-timey Pentecostal church where the pastor preached fire and brimstone. Hell is hot. Time is short. You better get your life right. Amen. So I got a little bit of that in me too. Uh, where are we? Twenty nine thirty one. Let's start there. Twenty nine. Birth thirty one. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Alyssa, for such a good hairdo. Y'all need a good hairdresser. She's at great clips. Now, she spends a little bit more time on me because she said, I got to look at you on Sunday. (laughs) Ah. Ah. Y'all there? Okay. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, poor thing, he opened up her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I'm not loved. He gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me. Because I have borne him three sons. So his name was Levi. She conceived again and when she gave birth to a son she said, By golly this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Let's pray. Father, open up the word to us today, not just to see the significance of it as it is written, but further than that, of how it can be applicable to our lives. I pray, Father God, that as we do what you said to do, I I stand on the word that I was given today by Albert. It is sensed in his spirit that this is for me. And I receive that because there are times, Lord, I confess to you and in front of this congregation that, Lord, why do you give me the assignment to, to bring words like this 
And I receive that word from you through the lips of Albert. That you're just simply saying, this is for me. And it's not for the people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Today I want to talk to you really about the one thing that you need in your life to be victorious anywhere. The one thing that you need in your life to defeat anything that comes in your life. Because if you don't have this one thing that is in your life, no area of your life will be successful. Not one single area. So if you are a note taker, the one thing that I've come by to talk to you about today, it's not rocket science, but if you have this thing, you will be successful. And that one word is... Just seeing if y'all were with me, is commitment. Commitment. Commitment to every believer, really to every person alive. You have to be committed. You cannot conquer what you're not committed to. You cannot conquer what you're, cannot, or you're not committed to. You cannot wish things away. You cannot pray things simply into existence. You have to be committed, and today, that's what we're going to talk about, and we're specifically going to look at three simple areas of your life that you need to be committed to. And I I came to this text because this text is rich, and this text is a a powerful one, so I kind of need to lay a little bit of groundwork that will put the text into context for you, and and, and through that we're going to uh, gather some ideas for our life today. In, In our story, Jacob, the main man, he had to go through seven years, somebody say seven years, Seven years of labor because he wanted Rachel. He wanted her about as much as I want my wife. He wanted her bad enough that the Joker worked seven years together. Seven years to have a woman that he laid his eyes on and said, I want her. I mean, first and foremost, look at the commitment in that man. Seven years. Years labor. And then after the seven years of labor, I mean, he is all excited. He's going to get the woman of his dreams, the most beautiful woman that he's ever laid his eyes on. And he didn't get her. He got another woman. He was literally tricked into marrying, well, that other sister. You know, y'all got one in your family. The other one. (laughs) That one. Yeah. You know. She was given to Jacob. She was a consolation prize, if you will. And literally, Leah means gazelle. She wasn't the prettiest one in the bunch, I'm telling you. She had one eye looking this way, one eye looking that way. She about crooked up, coming in here. Hey! She wasn't wrapped in fine wrapping paper, y'all. She was ugly. Seriously, if you really study the text, she was ugly, all right? But that's what he got. Now, if we focus a little bit on Leah and we look at the verse, what we're really seeing in all of these names is we're seeing her low self-esteem. Because she was married to a man that didn't want her and didn't love her. 
And the Bible even is showing you that she was so hated that God had mercy on her soul and opened up her womb. And when God opened up her womb, Leah gives birth to all of these sons. She gave birth to Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah. And each one of them are really, if you really research it, are given names that on the surface represent her struggle to be accepted. Because first and foremost, she has Reuben. And, and basically that means God sees. Hoping that now that I have a son, at least my husband would open his eyes and be able to see me and love me. Then she has the second son, and, and then we have a Simeon here, and that is God heard. That hopefully when I talk, my husband will not only see me, but he will hear me. And then the third, I mean, then deeper still, the third son is named Levi, and Levi means to be attached, hoping still that not only will my husband see me and hear me, but God, please let us finally come to a point that we are attached. And then finally, you really see you're kind of just getting free. <laughs> and she named the final son Judah, because she said, well, if my husband ain't going to look at me, if he ain't going to hear me, and we ain't going to be attached. By golly, this time I'm just going to praise the Lord and it's me and him. Because finally she came to a place in her life that she said, you know what? I'm going to put away the low self-esteem. I'm going to put away the fear. I'm going to put away the ghost. I'm going to put away in the securities. And I'm done being accepted by people as long as I'm accepted by the Lord. Amen? So that's a little background with her. But these sons really stood out to me, not because all of you got low self-esteem, but but these sons stood out to me because these three children, I'm not going to get so much into Judah, I will talk about him, but I'm going to park myself on Levi, we'll talk a little bit about Reuben and Simeon, but these are the backdrop through which I want to bring the message today. Now, uh, not only does Leah's children have significance when it relates to her and her husband, but if you really study Israelology, they have some prophetic significance which sets the tone for the ages of how God actually deals with Israel but but I want to make it applicable to our lives so I propose today that that these sons the three of them actually the the fourth one too but again I'm not going to touch uh, much on Judah but these these sons represent the walk of the believer they represent our walk and how we should be in our walk. So let's dive in. Let, let's first look at uh, uh, Reuben. Everybody say C. You are not where you are in your walk with God. You are really not a believer until you see your old life and the misery that your old life causes you. The problems that your sin cause you and then have a desire to change. We are taught, as I got my doctorate in Christian counseling, that the first step in change is basically to see the misery that you're causing yourself and others. If you cannot see the misery you're causing yourself and other people around you, you will never change. So it's the same thing as becoming a Christian. You have to see your sinful life as misery and have a desire to change it before you'll ever change. You cannot be a Christian just because somebody forced you into this church to listen to this old southern pastor. 
You cannot be a Christian because it's the thing that mama and daddy and grandpa did. You must recognize that your old wretched self is miserable, ugly, and undone. And it's causing problems in your marriage, on your job, and in your life. You see it as misery and then somewhere down deep you have a desire to change your life. Are you hearing me? I'll say it again. Until you see it as misery, you'll never be able to change. You'll never be able to make the transformation that is necessary to become who God wants you to be. So one day, I was walking around and realized my sin wasn't fun anymore. The chaos that I was living in was not fun anymore. Getting DUIs and and, 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 and getting tickets and put in jail. That wasn't fun no more. And it began to cause misery in my life. And then I came to church and began, I didn't immediately get saved, but I started attending church. And God just kept working on me and working on me and working on me until the desire was birthed. And then I was like, I'm changing. This is stupid. Amen? So until you see the way that you act, until you see the way that you dislike people, Until you see that that anger in your life is getting you nowhere. Until you see the unforgiveness is causing bitterness and hatred. Until you are sick of your own heart and what it's doing to your life. Until you're sick of your way. You will never be able to change a thing. Are you hearing me? And listen. Most Christians don't wrestle with the sins of the flesh. We wrestle with the sins of the heart. We wrestle with the sins of the mind. We wrestle with the sins of our character that we're not changing. We usually don't drink, smoke, chew, and and hang around those that do. But we sure can be hateful. We can be envious of other people. We can be proud. We can be selfish and self-centered. Those are not naturally manifested that I'm down in, you know, in the gutter shooting it up. But you know what? I got a sin in my heart. And until those things are ugly to you and you realize it ain't getting me nowhere, you'll never be able to change. So let me say this. Until you see it is miserable, you can never change something that you worship. Right? Until you see it is miserable. You'll never be able to change something that you worship. But then even after you see it, you're not finished. Because I see it as a sinner and then I become a saint. But even as a saint, I still have to see those things and see that it's causing and be miserable about it and ask for forgiveness. But you're not finished yet. Because secondly, we have Simeon. Simeon means to hear. What does that mean for my walk with God? I've literally got to hear the word of God. But see, a lot of people come to church, but they don't really hear the word of God. I love all of you, and and I'm guilty of it too, especially like when when I'm the worst, actually. When I go on vacation and I sit at a church, I don't have to hear the thing the preacher's saying, but I'm looking around, I'm analyzing everything, I'm like, well, what's he got that I ain't got? And and it's hard for me to focus on the Word. I've got to literally shake it off and go, okay, what what is God trying to feed me with? But see, most people 
come and show up in church and they put their brain on neutral. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I am, because that's what you're preaching about. Most people show up, put their brain at neutral, and sometimes we even leave our intelligence in the car. And that's why sometimes the message doesn't sink down deep. And that is why we're seeing in the Christian community a lack of faith in the church. Because we have to understand rock-solid foundational truth. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You do not get faith by sitting there trying to envision a better future. I'm just telling you. You don't get faith by just thinking happy thoughts. You don't get faith, and, and I'm going I'm to hurt somebody's feelings here. You don't get faith by not saying you're sick when you're throwing up in the toilet. You're sick, okay? Yeah, you can believe God's healing you, but just because you're going around going, I'm not, I'm not sick, I promise you, I'm not sick. You know what, that's not faith. Are you hearing me? We we run into people like that all the time down in Georgia. It's big in Georgia. Oh, don't confess that. Why not? My back hurts. All right? I'm believing God to heal me, but it hurts today. Instead of me having a false theology, could you just lay your hands on there and pray for me? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, why does it have to come that way? Why can't we just be zapped with all this faith? It's because when you hear God's word on something, When you read the Bible and you've got God's promise on something, that is like God giving you a blank check and saying, write it forever you want to. Because if my word, if you stand on my word and you stand on my promise, I swear by myself that I'm going to do it. When you've got God's word on something and you believe that God has promised you something, then what you do is you tailor your walk and you tailor your behavior with him into alignment with what you believe. And then and only then will you have what he says you're going to have. Are you hearing me? So I get a word. I tailor my belief. I tailor my behavior in line with the word. Line my life up, line my faith up with his word, and then I can have what he says I can have. Are you hearing me? So what you have to understand is something happening over there. They were looking up. I was like, oh my goodness, is the roof leaking? Y'all okay? Flash. It's the Lord. (laughs) I'm on today. I'm looking at everybody today. Usually I just blind y'all out, but. Don't y'all move. Listen to me. You you, you don't have faith. And and problems don't just fall because you come to church. You don't have faith and and this problem just falls away because Melissa and the team actually sang it on cue and everything worked perfectly. And everybody's like, oh, no. It is faith and problems fall because you base your life on the promise of God that even when you walked in here without a sword and without a shield, God said, I'm going to bless you when you do it my way and you may just have a rag and you may have a rock, but you can sling that thing, knock down that giant on a word. And you don't need no worship team. Are you hearing me? 
But we got to align our life on the Word of God. Because when you have His Word and you have His promise and it gets down inside of your spirit, it will start bringing a change to your life. Can I go deeper than that? The Bible says, it's usually in the King James that says this, is that the engrafted, everybody say engrafted. The engrafted word saves your soul. Engrafted. Engrafted. The word that sticks to your spirit. This is the only word that I believe that you can use to make mountains move. Now, if the engrafted word, the word that sticks, is so important, and if faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, then church, look at me, we all need to wake up and be very keen to the enemy. Because the enemy will distract you while I'm preaching. He's got some of you right now doing something else other than paying attention to me. Some of you right now are thinking about what you got to do this week. Some of you know I'm long-winded, so you're already thinking, okay, where can we go to eat? (laughs) Isn't that Pastor Rude when he calls out somebody's phone that's ringing? No, it's a tactic of the enemy. Because you know what y'all do? You tune me out, you look over there. Some of you get these little contraptions out and you play your little video games. (laughs) Whose toe did I just step on there? I felt felt it crack when I stepped on it. But see, you think it's just life. But it's the enemy trying to distract you because the enemy does not want the word to get engrafted in your spirit since you can only use the engrafted word of God. Think of it exactly as a skin graft. You take skin from one place and you put it on another place. And usually they put it there and they wrap it on there to hold it there. And and, and then a natural grafting takes place. Now watch this. So that that which was not there before has become one in a place that it did not exist. Did y'all get that? So I don't have to repeat it? Okay. That is the miracle of God's word. You got to think of it that way. When I preach, when you study the word, when, when you read a word, It'll take a love that was not there before and it will become one in your spirit where it did not exist. You will have a peace that you didn't have. You'll have a power that you didn't have. You'll have a joy that you didn't have because it becomes engrafted in your personality and your behavior. So here you are. You're the only one saved in your family. Ain't a single person nice in you. They're all meaner than rattlesnakes. But you're walking around, all of a sudden, you got niceness coming up out of your spirit. And they're like, what the stink's wrong with you? I'm just happy to be here. 
Why? It's the engrafted word that is now able to save your soul. But as it's saving your soul, it's saving your habits, it's saving your behavior, and it's saving your character. Are you hearing me? So, if you do not see any of the fruit of the Spirit happening in your character currently, then I want you to understand that's either A, you're tuning me out, B, you're not getting in the Word. It's the only two things. You've got to get in the Word and let that Word get engrafted into your life and put things that were not there and all of a sudden now you're beginning to change and things are beginning to be different in your life. Are you hearing me? Now, some of you would be like, well, but I'm listening to you. I'm studying the Word. Matter of fact, I'm taking Jesus' words literally and I'm eating the pages of the Bible. Okay, He said, eat my Word and that's what I'm doing. But nothing is changing in my life. Okay, come here. Let me help you. Engrafting takes time. I can't take some skin off my derriere and put it on my arm and the next day it be healed. It's going to take some time to get that engrafting for it to fuse together, for it to connect, for it to become one. It's got to take some time. Are you with me? And that's why I keep preaching that you just can't run in here, get the little word that you need for the weekend, run back out there, be who you were, and expect changes in your life. That is why I've taught you as the Word of God got, has got to hover on you and, and sit on you and become your daily bread and your daily appetite. Are you hearing me? And this is why Northfield can't just be the place that you visit on Sunday. It can't be the place that I have the mentality, well, this is good for me. You know, my mama did it, my grandma did it, and yeah, I'm going to bring the kids here. And You know, we're going to raise them up. Don't the Bible say something about raising them up in the way that they should go? Yep, this is a good thing to do. It can't be a place that you visit. This is a hospital. This is a hospital where you come to and every Sunday I got to get some surgery and I got to get something engrafted in my soul because I'm definitely not where I need to be. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Third, we got Levi. And it tells you right in the NIV that Levi means to be attached. And this is the one we're, we're going to hang out for a while. It can mean attached, it can mean to be joined, it can be connected, it can be committed. We saw a whole slew of people come up here saying, we are joining with you, we are committed to you. And look, I'm glad God gave Albert a word that this is for God. And here's the deal, you know how much I love you, right? Okay, so what I'm about to preach has nothing to do with you. And, And, and. There's a part of me that says that and means that because when we have the the back-to-school bash, we've got 70, 80 volunteers that help us. When we have our uh, uh, volunteer appreciation banquet, we we have 101 people that that serve in this church. I I, I mean, I see people committed like Mike Onstott, bless your heart, I think he's in the back. He's so committed, he, he stays in the back and he works Facebook for our Facebook Live. He's committed. He was up here Saturday. I see Bart. 
Bart Bartell. I mean, the Lord told me to put him on the security detail. And that man has taken security beyond anything I could ever think that it would ever be. Amen? I look at Luis Ojeda, and she's in the children's ministry right now. She works two roles. She, she serves in the children's ministry. But I had a meeting six months ago, first year, whatever, and was just sharing my heart about the, the greeters and the tour guides and all that. And, baby, she, she got on it, and she went the extra mile. I see new families like my Kylie and Sever Troll. Uh, is, is there uh, Trevor, not Sever. Kylie. Oh, Lord, God help me. I mean, Trevor, a man, is in there with the toddlers right now. I mean, they're eating him alive. <laughs> so I see a lot of people that are committed and joined. But I see a lot of people that are not. And, and this is not about a number to me that I can stroll you up here and go, oh, look at all the partners we have. I, I'm going deeper than that. I, I'm trying to, look, if I can elevate your thinking... I can help your life, right? So, so let, let's look at it like that instead of me trying to hammer on you. Let's just elevate our thinking because commitment is something that we don't even see in our society anymore. I mean, we have marriage ceremonies. We have the nice weddings. But, you know, people don't really get married anymore. I mean, we even throw rice at them. Right? Pastors, I mean, I have to sign all this certificate stuff. They move in together, but, but are they really joined together? And I understand there are some in here that have been divorced, and, and, and it's because of ugliness, and it's because you've been beat, you've been hurt, you've been mentally abused, you've been physically abused, you've been cheated on. And I'm not really talking about that because even Jesus said, look, if somebody's committed adultery on you, you leave those jokers. But here's the deal is, is, is beyond that, just in our society, are we really joined together when we get married? Why do I ask this? Because what I'm seeing in churches and what I'm seeing in society is the first little wind, the first little storm, the first little problem, the first little stress in their marriage, I'm out. And they don't hang in there. And the reason is, is there's no root in our society anymore because there is no connectivity in our society anymore. And it leads to no commitment in our society. Because what people do is they forsake responsibility because we don't understand commitment. And that's important to know. We forsake responsibility because we don't understand commitment. Now if we take that thought in our culture, in our society, and we pull that into the church arena. That's why we seldom see Christians committed to the church. I done got quiet on me. I was all nicey-nice at first trying to draw you in. Listen to me. If we had everybody that attends this church on a regular basis, if we just had everybody that calls this church their home, you would, and they attended on one given Sunday, you'd have walked in and been like, I'm at the wrong church. This place would be packed. It would be packed out. But we don't understand commitment anymore. Are you hearing me? And look, I'm not claiming this for these people because 
usually all of our partners are sold out or they would have never signed on the dotted line. But that's why we see people go through the actions of commitment. But are we really committed and attached to the church? Are we really committed and attached to the pastor and and, and the vision that he has for the church? Because, see, I believe we are being infected by the world that we've lost all understanding of our our responsibility to any relationship. Whether that be a friendship, a marriage, a work relationship, a pastor and congregant relationship, or a congregant and a church relationship. Because, hear me real good, the key to any relationship is simple. Relationship cannot exist without reciprocity. I, I like that word. Reci- everybody say that. That's just a cool word. Reciprocity. Don't that just flow good? You going to be my friend? Reciprocity. What's that? You don't get into a relationship to get and not give back. Are you hearing me? There is a cycle. Let me, let me ask you this. Let, let's tie it into the church. And, and, and again, this is not coming after anybody because I love you deeply. This is only to elevate your thinking. Okay? Here's the deal. Do you give to this church as good as you get on Sunday morning? Whew. No. A lot of you do. A lot of you faithfully give of your tithe, your time, and your talent. But some of you, I'm just trying to elevate you to begin to be challenged by the Spirit of God, asking you, do you give as good as you're getting on Sunday morning? Now, old pastor, you're trying to be all prideful and good. No, I know what I give out. I know what I give to this church. My wife knows what I give to this church, okay? And the question is, is do you give as good as you're getting? If you weigh that to what you're giving, then you'll know, am I really in my walk with God where I am joined? I am joined to the pastor and I'm joined to the church. Because I only say this not only to elevate your thinking, but imagine with me what this church could be if. We gave it our all. Everybody say, could be. Say it again, say, could be. I like to look at it this way. It's like a job. Most people get a job, and when they're on the interview, the last thing they ask is, okay, so uh, what am I getting paid? (laughs) And how good are them benefits? Right? I mean, let's just be real. Unless you're a business owner, it don't really matter. It's just you got a passion and a dream. But look, if you're going to go get a job, it's like, what's the bottom line? Do I get Blue Cross Blue Shield? Or do I have to go to the Obama Llama stuff? Okay. Because if I have to go to Obama Llama, I'm going to find another job. Nothing against Obama. It's just I'm against Obamacare. Okay. All right. Nothing against him. All right. I just hate the current health care situation. Because I remember when it was good. All right. I'm that old. All right. So here's the deal. You want the check and you want the benefits, but you're not willing to give it your all. And when you're not willing to give it all in anything, whatever that is ain't going to last very long. 
without commitment to a church or to a pastor, without commitment to being an on-fire, spirit-filled believer, without commitment to being a father, without commitment to being a, a mother. You can never be who God created you to be because your could be is always locked up behind your commitment. Are you hearing me? I could be this. The church could be that. I could, I could, I could be, I could be. But it stays locked up behind commitment because we've lost commitment in our society today. And I would venture to say that but probably a lot of us in here have never thrown our whole self at something. Not at work. Not at marriage. Some of us not even being a parent. Some of a lot of us not at the church. And for some of us not even being a Christian. Because most people live with one foot in and one foot out. And they never see who they could be in this life. They never see who they could be because it's always locked up behind them. I'll never see who I could be in God, who I could be as a father, who I could be as a Christian, who I could be as an employee because we're living our life one foot in and one foot out. So the question is, is anything in your life, now I know I'm honing in on the church because I'm the pastor and I get the right to do that, but, but are you connected? Are you attached? And some people do come to this church, but you're not really joined. There is no reciprocity from you. You, I guess it's a southern thing, I don't know. But you got to feel like, that's my church. That's my church. That pastor, he's crazy, but he's my pastor. Don't you say a thing about my church and don't you say a thing about my pastor because I'll give you. Is that biblical? I don't know, but it sure would feel good, you know? (laughs) That's how you got to be. It's my church. It's my pastor. That's my daddy. He's teaching me the ways of the Lord. But we don't give back for what we get. Some of you do. Some of you get you give back more than I'm giving you, and I appreciate you. But see, the problem that we're facing in society today is here's the deal. Is we, in our walk with God, and especially in the church age, in our walk with God, what we do is, is we get the Reuben right. Sometimes we're flowing in the Simeon. But then we get to that son, Levi, and we're like, let's just jump on over here to Judah. We bypass Levi, and we want to be Judah. What do you mean, Pastor? We have a generation in the church today that... I know I always get on this high horse about seeker-sensitive. But we have created the church to be so inspirational that people are coming for inspiration instead of impartation from the pastor and the word of God. So we'll skip over Levi. Oh, I just came, son. Give my praise on. Hey, ho, Jesus, bless me. Got to serve? Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no, you want me to give? No, I. Woo, rock that song out. Lord, you are good. Yeah! Blessings come down. I'm out. Drop the mic. 
Seriously. We just want to be inspired. But we don't want anything to be imparted. Don't touch my life. Don't poke that area. Let me be who I am. I just come to get my praise on. So we skip over Levi and we go straight to Judah. And these are the people that come, but they don't give. These are people in our society, they get married, they want the sex, but they don't want the responsibility. These are the women, I need a husband. And then when you get one, you do not be a wife. You do not want the responsibility. Because people in our society today, they want the benefits, but none of the responsibility that goes with the job description. You hearing me? So what are we raising today? We got half-committed husbands, half-committed mamas. Then we're raising half-committed kids. And then you, you start fussing at them because they're not committed to God in the church. Well, honey, wake up. They're just a reflection of you because you're half-committed. You said this was for you, right? Could you, could you give me some claps because they ain't doing it? So here we are. What do we do in the church today? People want the benefits of walking with God, but not the responsibility of living a life of integrity. You hearing me? I want the blessings, but I don't want to do anything God tells me to do. I want the benefits of the church, what's in it for me, what you got for my children. And ain't nothing wrong with, with searching God's heart of, yeah, you, you want the whole family to be served. But Justin, y'all, who remembers Justin? He'll be here today at 3.30. <laughs> I get to see my best friend. He called me and said, man, I am so sick and tired of my church. It's like, me too. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, I don't know your problem. I got a good church. Um, He's like, do you have people that come in and don't lift a finger in your church and don't do in church, and then they come to you and say, you know what, your church ain't meeting my needs? I'm like, yeah, I do. Don't they frustrate you? I'm like, no, they can go be a blessing somewhere else. (laughs) So if you can just look at it through that mentality, brother, you'll be okay. But see, that's what we've raised in a generation. So we've raised a generation that is is half-committed. People who want the benefits of their church, but not the responsibility of serving their church. And when you are not committed, you know what it's like. Because you come to this altar, you're inspired by the word of God. And you're like, Lord, I give myself to you. But have you really? Because if you really meant it and you were really committed, you'd be changed. We come to this altar, Lord, I'm I'm going deep with you this time. Really? Did you? Because see, at the end of the day, church, it's about commitment. And let me just go ahead and tell you, you know, you, you, so here's a blanket statement to all the people that come up to me going, I just don't know why I'm not further in my walk with God. I just don't know why I'm not deeper in my walk with God, Pastor. Here's a blanket statement. Don't ask me again. Here it is. You are no further in your walk with God right now. It's not demons, Okay. It ain't demons doing it to you. It ain't no witch doing it to you. You can't blame it on your spouse. You just knew who I live with. He is like, he's like Satan. He's Lucifer. Every time I read the Bible, he just comes over there and goes, 
I hope nobody really, I'm thinking, okay, was there somebody that said that to me? No. (laughs) You're no further in your walk with God right now because you haven't thrown your whole self at it. You haven't thrown your whole self into your relationship with God. Because a deep, vibrant, functioning relationship with God can never come half-hearted. A real, powerful relationship with God cost what it cost. I'm just telling you, there's no way around that. Because greatness cost what it cost. Are you hearing me? Greatness in anything, it cost what it cost. And if you haven't thrown your whole self at your relationship with God, you cannot come down to this altar and ask your pastor to pray for your marriage, but you walk out of here and you're not committed to changing it. You cannot come down here and pray to God, go and help me in my college career and in my studies, but not study. You've got to be committed to your craft. Asking God to bless you as if you were a saint, but not committed to walk like a saint of God. Because everywhere in His Word, God is a God that says, I will if you will. I will bless you if you do this. I will treat you this way if you do this. You cannot get out of something what you're not willing to put into it. You have to put your full commitment into anything in your life, especially with your walk with God, your mind, your energy, your effort, your discipline, and your tenacity. How many of you got a fireplace? Try setting it on fire with putting nothing in there. It ain't going to happen, y'all. You got to put some wood and some kindling, and then you got to take a little flame and put it there for it to go you got to put something in there. Are you hearing me? All right. Let's look at these three areas. Or let's just look at three areas that you need to be committed to. These are not rocket science. You've heard them before. This is not revelatory. It's not going to blow your socks off. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wish I had something better. But that's why we got you to give before I preached. Somebody will get that on the way home. Where's my drummer? Ba-dum-bum. All right. Number one, you got it, right? Number one, committed to God. I won't spend long on this because we'll spend long on the third one. Look, God gave you life. He blew the breath of life into you the moment you were conceived. Just at that He has a right to expect a return on his investment. Above everything else in this world, he has a right. Look, mama bought you some shoes, okay? Daddy bought you a bicycle. But the king of kings and the Lord of lords gave you life. You owe him a commitment beyond everything else. How do I give my whole heart? I'll tell you how I give my whole heart. I will not face a problem without God. 
I will not make a major decision without prayer. I will not bring somebody into my life as a friend just because I think they please me. It better be God-ordained for you to be my friend. I I will submit myself, my plans, my future over to Him. Why? Because He is my foundation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my strength. He is my defense. And without Him, I am nothing. That's why I'm committed to him. Are you hearing me? Number two. We all know this, but I feel like I got to remind somebody. Committed to family. Whoever you are in here, you better be committed. You better be attached. You better be joined or you're not going to make it. Because... If you love me, just when you like me, we ain't going to make it. Because I'm going to get your last nerve. Right, baby? (laughs) I got my wife's nerve. I admit it. But if she loves me only when she likes me, we're not going to make it. Are you hearing me? She's got to love me even when I'm getting on her last nerve. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you got some family members that are crazy. You've got to be committed to them. Even that one that you get around, you can't stand their personality. Yeah, you've got to be committed to them. You've got to be committed to them through the storm, through the rain, through the heartache, through the pain. Ain't that a song? <laughs> through the disappointments. You've got to believe in the we and not the me, y'all. You've got to believe in it. It's commi- commitment is not a feeling. We've turned it into a feeling. You got to come home when you're in love, and you got to come home when you're not in love. You got to stay until the love comes back. Because this ain't no fairy tale. You ain't living no Hollywood movie. It's about commitment. Are you hearing me? And there's some parents in here I admire because you've got what I'm about to say down, but there's some parents in here I'm praying for you. Because you got to be committed to those kids regardless of what they're doing. You're my son in my house when you are with me. And you're my son in my house when you go wayward. You are still my son, boy, even though you're in the hog pen. If I catch you in the bar, you're my son. If you go all the way away from me, you're my son. On the road back home, which I'm praying you will, you're my son. If you're in jail, I'm going to come get you out because you're my son. If you lied on me, you're my son. Even though you didn't do what I wanted you to do, you're still my boy. Are you hearing me this morning? Commitment is not a feeling. You do it because you're supposed to do it. Changed your diapers and wiped you back in. Because I'm supposed to. You threw up all over me. And I cleaned it up. Because that's my job. My job was to wipe your dirty butt when you were a child. So now, when you get old, don't you throw me away. Because I'll pull out some scriptures that you're supposed to take care of me. You better visit me and you better come by and you better take care of me. And you better call because that's reciprocity. And all our seniors said, Amen, Pastor. 
Somebody's got to wake up this generation. Arrest them. Because we've become a generation that wants to take instead of give. Are you with me? All right, last one. I'm, I'm going to really hone in on this one. Y'all ready? Come on, musicians. we got to get out of here because it's going to be rough. Committed to church. Committed to church. I'm just going to cut to the chase, okay? Remember my little disclaimer. I love y'all so much. <laughs> and when I say generation, I'm not thinking of an age group. So those of you that are younger don't think, all oh, that pastor does is come after young people. I'm thinking of a generation in society that our worldly system that is corrupted by Satan's schemes has come to. Okay, So this could be 9 to 99 that has given into it. We don't commit to anything at all. I can give altar calls, and we can see like last Sunday, eight people give their life to Christ. And you're lucky to see them come back. And if they do come back, they're looking at their clock going, the other church that I visited only had a 30-minute sermon. Why ain't you getting me out there like that? You give, I mean, it's 12 o'clock, Pastor. How much longer are you going to go? They're even teaching this in the seminary, is that the head can only comprehend what the butt can stand. But I ain't talking to your head, I'm talking to your spirit. And your spirit is a lot stronger than your head. And if you let it feed off the word of God, we can stay here forever. So take that, seminary. And we're raising a generation that sacrifices nothing for the church. Serves nowhere in the church. Because we have... A give me, give me, give me mentality. And, and, and like I said, the, these, these partners have, had, have prayed with, I believe, great prayer and, and contemplation, which, which is beyond anything is great. And if you ever you know, come to this church, I'll usually say to you, hey, fast and pray if, if this is the place for you. Because this is not the place for you, you're going to be miserable and you'll make my life miserable too. Okay? And many people do that. But we forget about reciprocity. What do you give for what you get? Because any relationship that does not have reciprocity will be lost. And I tell my staff this. You, we can mark people. They dart in, dart out. We see them at nothing. Never get in a life group. Never serve in the church. And they just soak it up. Never at a Sunday school, never at a Northfield University, never at one of the campaigns that we do throughout the year. You, you mark my word, they'll be eventually the ones that leave. Because relationship without reciprocity soon dies. And I know some of you, you know, you've come here for a short time for your job and, and you're out and you've you got to move back and, and you travel. And, and I understand situations, but, but home folks... People that have been with me for seven years, but you haven't lifted a finger. I am, I am, I am talking to you. Listen, just, just think about reciprocity as a friend. If you in the relationship, and, and sometimes I think about this as a pastor. I'll just, I'll just be open. Confessions of a pastor. If you're the one always giving in a relationship, if you're the one always sacrificing, if you're the one in the relationship always pushing yourself over the limit to be there for you but never see anything in return, 
eventually in that relationship, your patience will wither, your hope will die, and you'll give up on that person. Because relationships got to be maintained by reciprocity. If we put that thought into the church context, I'm just going to be real with you. Why does my staff and me and my wife go to such great lengths to put on something, a program for you, but you do not attend? Why do we want to keep doing that program? And most of ours are well attended, but it's like encounter night. It's like married people night out. Oh, 30 people will sign up, but five will show up. And it's like, why? Let's take that a little bit further. I'm going to help you out, girl. Why would my worship team come at 8 o'clock in the morning and Tuesday night to practice for people that have the audacity to show up at 1045 and 11 o'clock? It's about reciprocity. Why is it that any church that you go to, the best givers are not giving? The best singers are not singing. The best servants are not serving. And I don't say this to come after you. I honestly want this place to be the best place for him. What more could we be if we put our whole self into it? Because look, 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 this is not just church related. This is scientific. This is biology. I was talking to Kerry Kano, and he confirmed my philosophy, honey. He said, the black plastic back there on your garden is great. Me and you. Because I was telling my wife, we, we, we've taken... And we have taken. But see, the Bible says, let it rest. Because it's got to replenish. So I got grass clippings on it. And I got black plastic over it. And yeah, the grass clippings are starting to stink. But to me, that's nutrients. That's nitrogen. That's reciprocity. I'm giving back to what I've taken from you. That's science, y'all. That's biology. But in the church, it's like, Reciprocity? I don't know that word. We need to learn how to master giving instead of taking. Think of it this way. Just think of it this way. Are you demanding more of God? Are you demanding more of your spouse? Are you demanding more of your church than you're willing to give? Because any area of your life that you're expecting more than you're actually investing into... You will live your life in a constant state of disappointment. And and look, I I can go to Charles and Doris. I can go to Betty. I can go to Mike and Corliss. I can go to Dave and Luis. I can go to... (laughs) I hate it when that happens. It just slips me. Susie and Rich. Because they've been here, good gracious, for a long time. And, and the dynamics of this church has changed. There, there are some new faces in here. There are visitors in here today. And listen, you walked in here. AC's on. Lights are on. Nice building that we're in. Sound system, shebangy. But what you miss is the blood, the sweat, and the tears that people sacrifice to have what you have. 
Because what happens in a church over time, and it'll happen again in this church, and all I'll have to do is bring this message out and preach it again. But people walk in here when the work's over. And when we walk in here when the work's over, we have no appreciation for the investment of those that were before us. So what we don't understand is we don't understand sacrifice because we've got a great church. So now you're reaping where you've not sown. And that's why we need committed people. That's why we need people that will sacrifice again. Why? You walk through that family center on any given Sunday, and that's your answer why you need to sacrifice. That's your answer why you need to be committed. Because they need to enjoy what you're enjoying. Are you hearing me? And look, look, I don't say this to... This is just who I am. This is my philosophy, okay? When I walked into this church in 2011, I was committed to add something to you. I did not walk in this church to take a paycheck or benefits. I haven't taken a raise in seven years and I probably will never take a raise because I didn't come here to take from you unless I add something to you. And then when I walk in a church, whether I'm in the pew or whether I'm a pastor, I am going to be an asset to that place instead of a liability. And I tell you my philosophy because I want my church to have the same DNA as the pastor. I want these partners to have the mindset that if I'm going to stay, I'm going to give so much to this church, Pastor. You're going to miss me if I ever leave. You hearing me? If I partner with this church, you're going to feel the impact that I've added something to this church. Because the only number that adds up to the sum total of an equation is zero. And pastor, I'm not going to be a zero. I will be a hero in your church. Are you hearing me? So the question is that God would propose to you, not me. What does this church get when it gets you? Because everybody in here wants an asset. And usually liabilities are left behind. I'd rather be an asset than a liability. Stand to your feet all over this place. For those of you that are visiting, don't worry, i got two more hours. <laughs> Levi means joined. And I watched Levi. He made some mistakes. He messed up big time. One time, even his father said, you're cursed. You ain't going to mount to nothing, boy. But Levi held his head up high and he kept on going. And it really looked like Levi probably wasn't going to mount to nothing, but then something happened. Aaron, the assistant pastor, had the entire congregation while Moses was away, had them stripped down naked. Talking about revival. We're going back to Adam and Eve, y'all. And then they danced around a golden calf. And here comes the head pastor, Moses. And he comes back down from the mountain. And he's like, what in the stink have you done, Aaron? You're fired. And he looked at the crowd and he said, who here is on the Lord's side? And when you check your Bible, Simeon didn't say anything. Reuben didn't say anything. But here comes little old Levi. 
He said, I'm on the Lord's side. I'm on the Lord's side. And Jesus said, if you suffer with me, you will reign with me. And in Pastor Kylie's version, it says this. If you pay your dues, I swear I will bless you. But you have no right to expect a blessing when you try to avoid the cross. Because wherever there's a cross, there's a sacrifice. Join hands because I'm about to hit you right here. I just want you to hold on to somebody that you don't fall over. (laughs) Maybe this message was for nobody. Maybe it was for somebody in this church. Only the Lord knows. I think it's only a handful because we've got a great committed church. But God spoke so clearly to my spirit. He said, at the end, ask my people this or tell my people this. He said, son... My people leisurely stroll into the church. They show up late on Sunday, but I watch them. And they drive like bandits to make it to their job. They get up early to get to a job that I gave them. But they'll rise up slow to get to me on Sunday mornings. Tell them about commitment. Because I need a committed bride. I need a committed church. In your relationship with God, if, if, if you are not commitment committed, and it's only shallow, it's not going to last. Your family will be in danger of failing when you truly don't understand commitment. And God forbid that this church ever fail because the people that I've been entrusted with and made a steward over, it will fail if they don't understand commitment. I preach this today. I I question myself why Because I look at the volunteers and I look at the people and I I beg God, please let this pass for me. I don't want to preach it. But through Albert, he said, this is for me. And I offer this up to you, God. But I pray that the people in this place that needed it today will hear and will begin to contemplate what could happen in my life. What could happen in my marriage? What could happen in my family? And what could happen in my church if I just threw my whole self at it and was fully committed to it? Let's pray. Father, as your spirit is heavy in this place, I've told them what you wanted me to say. Now I trust that you will do what you want to do in their lives. You have positioned this church for greatness. Every church in this panhandle is positioned for greatness. If the leader leads well and the people follow. 
you've set it up this way. It's not what any of us asked for. It is theocracy. It is how you've ordered your government. You, you, You place pastors in your church to raise up an army, a committed army that is ready to take the panhandle. But Father, you you told me a long time ago that a church is only as powerful as the people in the pews. So I pray that these pews are activated and we become a powerful force in this community. Whether it be through our prayers, whether it be through our sacrifice of giving financially, giving of our talents, gifts, and abilities, our, our, our giving of our time to serve in this church. There is another lost soul out there that needs a Savior. And by golly, we're going to be on spot and on point and everything operating with full capacity to be good stewards of what you've entrusted us with. Thank you for this message today. May you do with it how you would with whoever you brought in this place to speak to. I would not be a good pastor if if I didn't ask right now. If you've walked in this place and you are not committed to God, you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, but you want to today. This ain't about you getting cleaned up. It's just about you taking that step that I see my life, Pastor, as misery. My sinful life is causing trouble and chaos all around me. I see it. And I want to change. If that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you just lift up your hand in this place and say, that's me. Lift it up high where I can see it. Anybody in this room? Anybody in this room? Amen. Thank goodness we're all home, folks. Let me pray for you and we'll go out on worship. You can release that hand because your hand's getting sweaty. I know. But y'all are obedient. It's just like, we're going to stand this way until he says release. (laughs) That's what I love about you. Let me pray for you. Did did y'all get anything out of today? Next week's going to be special. I believe it's going to be uplifting. I believe it's going to be powerful. God's got something brewing in my heart can't really formulate what it is right now but that's usually when I know it's good so look at us let's bring somebody next week amen Amen. call somebody else that you didn't see here today and go where in the stink are you you're not committed at least that's what pastor said get it church Sunday (laughs) let me pray for you father in Jesus mighty name we thank you for what you've done today we thank you for what you're going to birth out of this may we make you proud by how committed we are to family to you and to our church. Bless your people. Let them have a great rest of the day. Let them wake up refreshed, revived, and rejuvenated for another day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.